Welcome to Work Mom Says Don't Be an Idiot. And now, here's your host, Work Mom. Hello, listeners. It's Lori Jovest, and I really appreciate you showing up for another episode of Work Mom Says Don't Be an Idiot. Today, we're going to talk about 10 things they don't tell you in college. And I've got a couple of guests today that I know really well. Um, Both of them work for my small agency, Pop Speed Digital Marketing. And they're both just somewhat recent graduates, two, three, four years out. And we were talking the other day in one of our team meetings. And what came up was the things that they don't tell you in college. That if you knew those things earlier in your career, you'd be a little bit more successful, get a little bit better head start on the the emotional contact sport of business. And so most of what we're going to be talking about is related to, you know, of course, business, but also a little bit about emotions, a little bit about how you do your job, you know, just things that if you pay attention to these when you get into that first position or second or third position, you'll just be a little bit better off. So let me introduce Molly Wagner and Kylie Transit. Molly, why don't you tell us a little bit about your, um, how long you've been out of school, that kind of thing. Hi, everybody. I graduated from Grand Valley State University in Michigan in 2021. Um, I was a multimedia journalism major, and it took me a while to find a job and eventually connect with Lori. But I've been with Pop Speed for about eight months now, I want to say. Um, yeah. And loving every minute of it. Well, we're not like a normal company, though, I have to say. <laughs> we really aren't like a normal company. We're just a small, lean and mean team doing digital marketing, primarily social media. So it's a little bit different than what you'd find if you went into corporate America, I think. But I still think there's so much that Molly has to say and, and to to you know what she's learned in just that short amount of time, um, the difference between your regular jobs that you've had maybe in high school or college and that first professional job. So I I'm really excited that you're joining us today, Molly. Thank you. And Kylie transit is another pop speed team member and she's been out of college for a little bit longer and has a couple other experiences, more career businessy corporate kind of job. So um, Kylie, tell us a little bit more about your background. Yeah, so I graduated from Lords University. It's a smaller school in Ohio. I graduated in 2019. Um, I studied just marketing and with a focus in communications and media studies. So I played soccer in college and I honestly attribute a lot of what I learned, not just to what I studied, but also to playing sports, just because I think that the overlap, and I'm sure we'll get into it today, um, you know, between organization and learning so many different things about time management kind of came in my experiment or in my experience doing both things at the same time. Um, But once I graduated, I started um, my career off with the Royal Oak Chamber of Commerce. I was born and raised in Royal Oak, and that was an awesome experience. And I've actually in the short three and a half ish years that I've been graduated kind of held a lot of positions. Um, Graduating just before the pandemic was crazy and kind of set me up for an interesting start to my career. 
Um, so from the chamber, I moved into events with the Detroit Zoological Society. Um, shortly after I started there, the pandemic hit, no more need for events. Um, and then from there, I won't name the company because I'm sure we'll talk about how it was not an awesome experience, but I went into a um, different role, just kind of needed a job. And then simultaneously is when I met Lori um, and kind of started with Pop Speed as a side hustle. And um, eventually in April of last year, that turned into a full-time role. So I'm going on close to two years being full-time uh, with Pop Speed. And it's been a really awesome and different experience, kind of how Lori alluded to. So it's yeah. it's kind of different. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I I take all that, um, everything I learned about playing the emotional contact sport of business mm -hmm. and use it to run our business, which I think is a little bit different because I maybe put even a little too much effort or um, emphasis on, you know, how everybody feels. But on the other hand, can you ever really put too much emphasis on making sure everybody feels good? You know, it's not a bad way to run a business. And so let's, let's dig into a couple of things here. One of the things that I love to tell people, if you are able to distinguish from your work life, from your personal life and realize that you're in your work life, most of it is not personal. You are going to get so much more out of your career because you won't feel like you're in that rock tumbler of emotions. Um, Kylie, I think that was one that you brought up. So what does it mean? It's not personal. What does that mean to you? Um, to me, and this was, this was a huge one that I kind of learned in sports, honestly, and it, the, the way that it intersects with business is that whether you're getting criticism, whether you're getting feedback, and I think it really comes into play in our line of work in marketing because it's creative and because it's so, um, you know, in a way it's very opinion based, um, it's very subjective. Getting, exactly. Oof, so subjective. subjective. Yes. But most um, work really is. I mean, yeah, your boss yeah. may, you may do your work in one style and they really want it in another style, but you yeah. won't find out until you give them what they don't want, but it's exactly. not personal, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's just that ability to separate your work from yourself. It's not, it's not an attack on you. It's not an attack on who you are or the work that you do. It's simply, how can we make this better? And ultimately that's the job. So it's being able to kind of separate your emotions from the work that you're putting out on behalf of your company and your clients. Absolutely. So Molly, what do you think about that? Has it been um, one of the things that I, I notice from recent graduates and also I've, I've gotten into myself, feedback can feel personal even when it's not. So what is your take on it's not personal? Yeah, so I really struggled with this, especially in college and kind of at the beginning of starting to work with Pop Speed, because like I'm a writer. So up until now, everything has like had my name on it. So anytime I got feedback, it felt really personal, even though I know at the heart of it, it was just constructive criticism and Everyone just wants it to be better. But now I've really been able to shift my thinking and realize that what I'm producing is for a client. It's not mine. So right. once it's done, I can just kind of like ship it off. And any feedback I know is like just there to make me better and 
produce better content for our clients instead of. And sometimes you have to kill your babies. Sometimes you have to kill your babies. (laughs) I've I've come up with what the ideas I thought were amazing. And then they have to be killed. And you're like, oh God, but it's not personal. And I'm going to spin, just take a a little bit of a sideline on this one, because the other thing about it not being personal is if you can go into a business or an office environment where you've got to work with 20 different people, you know, 20 different types of people, and some of them are going to rub you the wrong way, if you can keep a strategic mindset, which is basically not taking anything personally, you'll do, you'll simply do better. You'll hit simply have different relationships because you're not getting, you know, personal with someone who's acting in a way that you don't appreciate. You're not actually, you're just like, Oh, that's interesting. You're not like, Oh, I wish they wouldn't act that way. You know, not personalizing things just makes everything easier at the office. So number two, this is a really good one. Being stuck is a choice. And this one's tough for people because a lot of us, it's sometimes a lot easier emotionally to feel stuck and just kind of wallow in it a little bit. And I'm not begrudging you your wallow because we all need those once in a while. Sometimes we just got to sit in the corner and cry. Um, But being stuck is a choice. And Kylie, again, I think this was yours. What do you, tell me what you think about that. So I have an extreme love-hate relationship with this phrase. Um, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but um, my third job out of school was one that, um, to put it lightly, was not awesome for my mental health. I was kind of in a place where I had been laid off by the zoo, no more events. I was coming off of a situation that for quite a while was quite honestly my dream job. Um, And then to kind of have it ripped away, I don't know that what I got into next really could have lived up. But um, it was a very, you know, stereotypical corporate America job right now with all of like those negative stereotypes and um, kind of a boys club type vibe. And um, it was short lived, but I felt stuck. I was quite honestly, very miserable. Um, I was in this phase of life where I wanted to be progressing um, in my personal life, in my professional life, in a completely different direction than what this job was allowing me to. And it was very difficult to balance feeling stuck and knowing that that was my choice, but also needing an income. So I would be, you know, online working for eight, nine hours a day, depending on the day. And, you know, it's, it's obviously up to me to log off and look for a job and kind of like pull myself out of that situation. But I was so exhausted and you log off and the last thing you want to do is stay on your laptop. And I remember at the time, um, I was working from home in my parents' basement. That was my, that was my home office. And I would come upstairs and it would be dark outside already. And I would just sit there and I'd be like, (laughs) I wasted my whole day, like doing something that makes me miserable. So being stuck, it's, it's a choice in the sense that it's up to you to separate your professional life and, you know, what pays your bills from your personal life and to be able to still enjoy what is joyful. Um, But ultimately it's, it's a tough place to be in and kind of how you said you're going to wallow for a little bit and that's okay. And 
everybody needs that space sometimes. So yeah, I have a, I have a love hate relationship with being stuck as a choice because it is, but obviously, you know, what you do all day has an effect on how you feel. So. Oh yeah. Well, and I think your, what I find interesting is that you, even if you're, while you're wallowing, you have to continue to sell your, sell the idea to yourself (laughs) that you aren't really stuck, that you can take action and eventually taking action will lead you out of that situation you're in. Exactly. Exactly. And it's so, it's, it's interesting to look back on that time of my life now because I agree. Like it, it absolutely is a choice and it's, it's only up to you to pull yourself out of it. But when you're in that frame of mind, it's the last thing that you want somebody to tell you. It's yeah. you're like, this isn't a choice. Like I don't want to be here, but I have to be. So it's, it's an interesting balance for sure. Well, and you also just to, again, a little, little side note here, you picked up a side hustle. You were miserable, sure but you picked up a side hustle, <laughs> yeah. which led to a full-time gig. Yeah. So be afraid not of the side hustle. It's the best. Um, But that's a sideline. Number three, be strategic with your job. I think this was mine. Um, I really put a lot into being strategic. And that means, you know, not constantly thinking like, oh, how am I going to, you know, make this happen for myself? It's not that. It's more looking at relationships long-term, like how can you, even the person that you don't really care for, how can you still create a connected, positive, strategic relationship with that person? Because you really don't know, and trust me, 30 years of career plus, I can assure you that you never know when that person in front of you is going to come back, circle back to you five or six or seven or 10 years later and give you your dream job or become your biggest client. Um, And also just by being strategic, I mean, looking at your, um, you know, people that are rude to you, people that are, you know, might just be nasty because some people are not reacting to them and not, you know, taking the time to breathe and not react and think, how should I handle this before you respond to somebody like that is being strategic that's being gracious. It's being, um, you always want to be the pro. And if you can keep in your mind that you are, that, that work is a strategic effort on your part to make more money, then everything you do should filter through that lens. And sometimes you will say, you know what, get away from me. I'm I'm done here and, and walk away from a job or a conversation. But only do that if it's strategically a good idea. <laughs> Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. So who wants to cover number four? Number four is work to live, don't live to work. I'm sure we both say have some good things to say about this one, given our current situation. If you Absolutely. want to go first, Molly. Yeah. Go for it, Molly. Okay. So I have always, even before my first career really started out of college, I've always knew that I wanted to prioritize working to live and not living to work because I knew that that work-life balance and setting those like strong boundaries would save me in the long run because I have watched my parents and now my best friends who are also starting their careers kind of kill themselves in their work and not 
prioritize that work-life balance. I have said to my best friend from home, she's an engineer at one of the big three. I will not name the company and not out her, but she (laughs) is an entry-level engineer. She's been busting her butt for the last six months, working long hours, working weekends, and it has taken all of me not to just sit her down and be like, you need to stop. Intervention. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I just am worried about her that she's going to burn out really quickly in her career and just absolutely hate it when this is Mm -hmm. what she's wanted to do forever. Yeah, it's, it happens. And what, what I've noticed is some companies have a culture of that where you are working 60 hours a week, everybody does it. You're expected to stop in on the weekends. Your your boss calls you at eight o'clock at night or six o'clock in the morning. I've worked for both types of people. Yeah. <laughs> phone rings at eight o'clock and you're like, oh man, if I don't answer that tomorrow's not going to be good. Right. So you pick it up. And they will just as soon fire you yeah. for whatever reason. So you're giving your all, but you're still labor to them. Yeah. You know, so I I like to encourage people to understand that your life and how you live it, um, there should be, you have to force the balance. No one's going to do that for you. Um, Kylie, what do you have to say about that? How did you learn that lesson? I honestly, it's, it's very similar, um, and different than Molly. I remember going, it was like my junior, senior year of high school that I knew I wanted to go into marketing. Um, and I remember first entering college, Um, In like my first marketing class, we had to essentially do a presentation um, where one of the questions was defining like personal success, right? And I remember I got up in front of my class and my professor and I said, yeah, success for me is work-life balance. And I I got looks, I got like a lot of, you know, weird, like really already that's where you're at. And for me, it was, so I grew up, my dad was a teacher. So he had summers off. He was home when we got home from school, me and both my brothers. And I loved that as a, as a kid, I knew my dad loved it. And just to be able to kind of have, you know, that balance to be able to spend time with my family, to be able to, you know, plan vacations, just live a life outside of the office was always something that was really important to me. And um, coming out of school, it was something that I had with the chamber. Um, It was a great balance. Um, And then moving into um, my position in events, um, because that's what I had thought I wanted for such a long time, um, I let it become my identity. I was kind of in a weird phase of life where I was easing out of sports being my identity. And so I kind of took a hard left and made my job my identity. Um, So I would not shut off when I got home, even though I really enjoyed what I was doing, there was no balance. I remember I had so many people telling me, do not answer emails after five o'clock ever, like ever. And within the first week I was doing that. Um, Oh, yeah it was difficult to shut off. And then going into the next role I was in, I was not allowed any work-life balance, but I was also miserable. So it was that that kind of reiterated that into my life. And then to kind of come into this role where we're not just totally remote, but encouraged and empowered to 
you know, live our lives and have our lives be such, you know, the forefront of our life. Um, and then still being able to enjoy the team and enjoy the work and enjoy the clients is, I mean, like such an unbelievable situation to be in. I think for both Molly and I, based on what Molly said, as people who have forever kind of manifested this work-life balance life. So it's really cool. And it is possible. I mean, I leaders, if you're listening, I've worked at places where everybody was there till six, seven o'clock at night. I've also worked at places where you busted your hump during the day, but you went home by five, five thirty, and it was a relaxed, pleasant work pace, got a lot of great work done, not so much stress. So as a leader, you get to decide and honestly, keeping your happy, you know, your team happy should be priority number one, because when they're happy, they're not disengaged. Mm-hmm. And I I just don't understand the mindset of 60 to 70 hour work weeks anymore, because it, it was a thing for a while where they had us convinced, I'm going to say they, culture, had us convinced that we had to just run, 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 run. And if you wanted to succeed, you better be there at 10 o'clock at night and on and on. And we're not there anymore. We have learned and evolved as a culture to appreciate our downtime and our personal lives and our families and our friendships and the things that really feed your soul. Work doesn't feed your soul. It might feel like it does sometimes, but what really feeds your soul is your relationships. And I I really do think it's important to, as a leader, as well as as a worker, to keep that in mind that people have lives outside of the office. And you should support those lives because that builds loyalty, it builds happiness, it builds engagement. So let's move on to number five. Time management is a really big deal. That one is is one that I am still struggling with. (laughs) So uh, yeah, who wants to to cover this one? I can jump into this one a little bit. So for me, I keep bringing up sports, but being a college athlete was really something where you're kind of forced to learn skills like this, like just those really kind of like nitty gritty um, skills that are going to feed into the rest of your life being, you know, going from a 6 a.m. practice to a 3 p.m. lifting and having three classes in between and still having, you know, homework to do that's due the next day. Like you're really forced to manage your time efficiently and be productive when you have to be productive. Um, And I think that's honestly like bode me so well into my career because time management is not something that I personally struggle with very often. Um, I, I think I'm really good and have kind of, it's been ingrained in me based on like the things that I did in college and prior to, um, to be able to manage my priorities and be sure that I'm, you know, not to say that every single day it's, you know, I don't get stuck down a TikTok rabbit hole every now and then, because I absolutely do, but don't we all, all. right. (laughs) Working in social media, but um, yeah, it's, it's being able to kind of focus on that to-do list, make sure my priorities are in line. Um, It's, it's something that to me, you just kind of have to figure out what works for you and stay committed to following it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Molly, how do you, uh, what do you find to be true about time management? I completely agree with everything Kylie just said. I have honestly never really struggled with time management just because I am such a type A person, mm-hmm. but I have really found that like 
I think we'll talk about this a little bit later, but like organization and keeping myself on track and just knowing what I'm supposed to do and setting out my day really, really helps. Mm -hmm. And so I know like, these are the big things that I have to get done by the end of the day. And these are the little things that I can kind of push off if necessary. Yeah. I think if you, if you struggle with time management or keeping track of what you're doing, how to, you know, take a task that you were given two weeks ago and stay on it. So you make the deadline and um, get it done in a thorough way with all your other projects. There's so many things that come at you, um, not unlike college, Mm-hmm. But I think they come at you more fast, more furious, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? Absolutely. You know, you might have homework that's due in two weeks, but right now you've got right. like six things somebody asked you for and you, they're all due at different times to different people. Right. So it, I think the organization is a, is a really important thing to prioritize learning about too. I, think I know, I, go ahead. Sorry. I think that's what you said is such a good point too, is because you, you know yourself better than anybody else. If you have four large things do within the same week, you know what you're going to be more um, willing to work on and put effort into at the end of a day when you're already tired versus, you know, in the morning when you have all of this energy, like you, you know yourself better, you know how to manage your energy levels throughout the day, throughout the week. Um, So I think it's, it's really important to be kind of in tune with that as you're setting priorities and planning your time management ahead of time. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things we do is we try to avoid meetings on Friday Mm -hmm. because that gives you, you know, not only time management, but energy management. Mm -hmm. So you have a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a breather to catch up on everything on Fridays. Something to consider leaders. It really does make a difference. And, you know, the other thing I notice is focus management. Part of time management is focus management. Look for tools that help you focus. There's websites that play music that are focus oriented. There's books. There's a book called Getting Things Done. Buy that book. It's the GTD system. Buy that book. It's amazing. And it will give you all kinds of tips and things for keeping track of, you know, what needs to be done by when, because that's kind of the biggest thing about work is you are given tasks with deadlines. You must produce quality work to get paid. So time management is a big part of that. So number six, you get to define what success means. And this was mine because I I think what happens is we get into our careers and we might set a vision for ourselves. Like I want to make this much money by this much time. Is that really success? You know, how do you define success? I, at this point in my career, define success as being my own boss, being my, you know, being able to set my own schedule to, determine how and who I work with, um, you know, how I get something done, who's on the team. Um, we're a small but mighty company and I'd like us to really grow, but I feel successful now because I'm my own boss. I'm my, I have agency, you know, over who I do business with and things like that. So what do you guys think about defining success and do you think it changes over time? Um, I think for me, I kind of alluded to it earlier, for me, success to me has always looked like work-life balance and enjoying both sides of my life. I want to wake up and be excited to do work and enjoy my day. Um, But I also want to have the energy when I log off to, you know, go get a drink with my husband or, you know, sit on FaceTime with my friends or make plans for the weekend. And 
to, you know, kind of be able to have all of that wrapped up into one cohesive life professionally and personally has always been um, my definition of success. And, you know, now with being the current situation, I feel more successful than I ever have. And I think I just want to point this out. I think it's so interesting the way that you define success, Lori, because it's, I think that the way that you kind of push that, like, and filter it through the company by giving Molly and I that agency as mm-hmm. often as able to, like, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's really interesting. I think it's very obvious how you define success based on the values that you've incorporated into pop speed. Yeah, I, I do think that, that I, it's that we all should have agency over our work. Yeah. And I, I was just thinking the other day, and I keep bringing Molly up because Molly's never had to do this, <laughs> that we used to get up in the morning, put our makeup right. on, put our really expensive clothes or whatever style we wanted to yeah. present that day, drive. I honestly, I've driven an hour to work, mm-hmm. get there, sit at a desk and with a computer and do your work there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, okay, that was really different. Stay there till five or five thirty, maybe six if the boss hadn't left yet and you wanted to make yeah. sure you, you know, looked like a real hard worker. And then drive forty five minutes home and then do it all again the next day and feel stressed out about it the whole time, rushing in, oh my God, I'm gonna be late. I'm going to get in trouble if I'm late. I mean, those kinds of feelings and things, I just don't yeah. think people I don't think people thrive under those conditions. And I'm kind of, I mean, I know that the pandemic was a horrible, horrible thing. However, it's caused some evolution in the workplace and also in the younger generations that want to keep that independence, right? They want to keep that. You guys don't want to go back to an office. I mean, can you (laughs) imagine doing that? I mean, we used to put on (laughs) nylons and suits and high heels to go to work. every day. Now I'm a jeans and t-shirt kind of gal. Yeah. You know, yeah. The winter. I'm sitting here in yoga pants and a sweatshirt and yeah. it doesn't affect the quality of my work. No, not at all. Not at all. So I'm really kind of liking this, this kind of interesting space we're in where we're evolving how we define success and looking for opportunities that help us do that, to help us live into that success that we've determined, you know? So, okay, Molly, this is yours. Number seven, your major doesn't always matter. Yes. Tell us about that one. So I am honestly kind of the perfect example of this. Um, I graduated with a journalism degree and I honestly knew by about junior year that I didn't want to actually go into journalism. I worked on a news TV um show my junior year and it was kind of hell I got so many incredible skills but I just knew from that moment that I am not built to be a journalist and to do breaking news that's just not something that I am comfortable with and it just did not fit my work-life balance goal of life but I knew that because of my awesome program. I was getting so many good writing skills, all of the technology skills that I was getting that I would be okay if I didn't go into journalism afterwards. And honestly, like, I feel so much better knowing that I didn't go into journalism 
after graduation and I'm in marketing and I love my job, but I'm still able to take all the skills and all the knowledge that I had and bring it into this job. And Absolutely. Yeah. It's just like yeah. such a good reminder that like, if you make it to graduation and you're like, damn, I absolutely hate what my degree is in. You don't have to do it. <laughs> There's hope. Absolutely. There I've really noticed and in my job search that like companies just care that you got a degree. Yeah. For the most yeah. part. Yeah. Because you have to, I always look at that as you have to be able to hold and complete a very large goal to get a college degree. There's a lot to figure out there and you have to be persistent. Um, honestly, I think of the six or eight roommates I had in college. Um, there's only two of us that graduated. It's not easy. Um, and it's worth it because I think you get so much interesting experience with different types of people. And again, you set a goal and you learn and you focus on learning things that are going to be useful to you in your career. And sometimes that's just being able to think, you know, outside of the box, you know, which I hate that phrase, but think in new and innovative ways and be able to ingest new ideas and consider them, even if you don't agree with them, those kinds of things. And your storyteller ability. I mean, that journalism is going to teach you how to tell a great story. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. My degree was broadcast and cinematic arts with a minor in marketing. What was yours, Kylie? Mine was marketing with a focus in communications and media. So I'm kind of the opposite and I'm doing exactly what I studied. So, yeah, I did exactly what I studied for about 30 years. And then the video business, the professional video business kind of imploded. Mm -hmm. So I was fortunately able to write and that kind of thing. So I moved over into social. Mm -hmm. So let's move on to number nine. You can be both authentic and appropriate. I think that's one of the best ones that bringing, like we talk about being strategic, mm -hmm. being strategic is about how you think, being authentic and appropriate is about how you act. So how do you act based on what you're strategizing? You can always be yourself, but be your best self, right? Yeah. Who added yeah. this one? Kylie, this was yours. I did. Yeah. Um, so for me, I think I've, I think throughout my career, I've been learning this, but joining pop speed allowed me to put words to it. I think, um, obviously you're one version of yourself, you know, with your closest friends or the second you log off or get home from the office or, you know, whatever. And then a different version of yourself in the office. And this is not to say that that's not right, because obviously, you know, for me personally, um, I have a potty mouth. I, I have a very <laughs> bad potty mouth. Obviously I'm not going to bring that every day into a client oh, meeting or, you know, onto our team meetings, you know, so there's, there's absolutely a line, but I think something that's really important is that when you're with the right company or under the right leader, they want to get to know you. They, yeah. they don't want to get to know the version of you that's always on and is so prim and proper and is always, you know, you know, this person doesn't drop person. the F bombs. Exactly. Right. Right. So I think it's just finding that balance of being yourself. You know, if you're, if you're a joke teller and you like to make people laugh, that's okay. Bring that to the office. Everybody could use a, you know, nice laugh in the workday. Or, you know, if, if you're somebody that's really kind, like it's okay to start everybody's day off with us. So how's everybody's day? What's going on? Like it's, yep. it's okay to be who you are, but 
still find that line and that balance of being appropriate. It's, I just don't think they're mutually exclusive. And I'm very guilty of that, you know, just out of school feeling that, you know, millennial perfectionism that always have to be on, always have to be, you know, even if your mental health might not be there in a given day, you got to force yourself to be perfect. And, you know, it's something that I think has been so ingrained in our generation that, when you find the right company, the right leader really isn't true. For example, I know like logging on yesterday morning, um, I was pretty sick and I know I could say like, yeah, guys, I'm just like not feeling it today in our team meeting. Yeah. And that's not something that I would have done in any other work circumstance I've been in. So I think it's, I think it's a, it's a good thing when you're able to find that authentic, but appropriate balance. Yeah, absolutely. I think you can be, if you can't be your authentic self, Mm-hmm. that pump company might not be a fit for you. Yeah. That job might be not be a fit. That boss might not be a fit. Yeah. I've had bosses that I just, you know, I've had bosses who loved me and never wanted me to leave. And then I've had bosses that were like, yuck, mm-hmm. you know, because some people are just, you're just not their type. Yeah. And honestly, I think the one boss was, I am not, you know, wasn't, I'm not one of those people that I, you know, dress to the nines every time I go anywhere. And, you know, I'm not like Amanda from the devil wears Prada, you know, I'm not that person. I'm just not. And he was. And so it was, I'm more casual. I'm not as formal. Um, and he just, it just was a bad fit. He's just like, what's wrong with you? You know? And he actually at one point wanted all the women in the office, just the women, all the women in the office to go to a style consult. And I looked at the people on, yeah, right. I looked at the people on my team that were so good at what they did and would be so uncomfortable. And I said, no, because that's not who, you know, I had a a woman that was just, she was very, very introverted Mm -hmm. and one of the best writers I've ever met. And I thought, why in God's name would I push her hard to do something she doesn't want to do that's going to make her so uncomfortable instead of just letting her be her authentic self and keep doing that amazing work. It doesn't make sense. So if you find yourself in a situation where you cannot be your authentic, authentic self, let's go back up to number two. You're not stuck. So move along, move along. And Ooh, number 10. I like Molly, I'm going to give you this one. Your mental health is worth more than your job. I think, I think I'm going to add that to the end. It just says your mental health is worth more, but it's worth more than your job. Completely agree with that. I honestly really appreciate this as a value at this company because um, we're all really outspoken about our mental health. And Mm -hmm. I have never felt that I have to sacrifice my mental health to get something done or just like really be on like kind of going back to the authentic self like if you're struggling that needs to be your priority and that is okay well my mother my i'm just gonna surface this my mother died earlier this week and i teared up at the staff meeting oh well it happens i was in the middle of a staff meeting once with a brand new team and it's i mean it's not funny but it kind of is because i i was in the middle of the meeting and my phone buzzed our dog was dying. I knew our dog was dying. Mm -hmm. I picked up my phone and went, I need 10 minutes, guys. My dog just died. And I left the room and I went and called my husband, did my cry, fixed my eyes back up, went back in and had the meeting. 
uh, you know, I wasn't and never will be, you know, a stoic person. I'm very emotional, very sensitive. Yeah. So if I get on a phone call with my team and I'm in tears, it's like, guys, this is real. This is yeah. life. Life is not, life is to be lived, not to be, um, your emotions are not to be managed to the point where they don't exist. They do exist. So again, leaders pay attention to your, your team's mental health. Now, on the other side of that, if you're really struggling with your mental health and you're having a hard time getting in to the office or doing your work, get help. Um, that's really, really important. Um, we're not counselors, doctors, psychologists. However, we do talk about the emotional needs of human beings. And if you're struggling, find yourself a counselor, find yourself a support group, get the help you need so that you're not struggling because mental health is really, really important. Um, Kylie, do you have anything to add to that one? It's interesting. Um, I completely agree with everything that has been said thus far on this topic, but um, in that role I've brought up previously, again, will not name the company, but that did not support my mental health. Um, I remember is very, very shortly before I ended up leaving to join uh, Pop Speed full time. And I kind of, you know, we had been having conversations and I kind of knew it was on the horizon. Um, but at the same time, um, my dog, my family's dog that I grew up with was not doing well. And, um, I don't want to say it was out of the blue, uh, but we, I found out like on a given day that my parents were going to have to put her down, um, kind of randomly, but not kind of randomly. And I remember how I was petrified to give my Oof. boss at the time a call and say, listen, like we have to put my dog down. I'm going to log off for the rest of the day and go spend the day with her. And like, just to, just to add that level of stress and anxiety and, you know, yeah, yeah, I was, I truly like, it sounds so dramatic. I was terrified because at the time, even though I knew I was probably not going to be there much longer, I was so scared of just the confrontation because I was so uncomfortable with the workplace. Mm -hmm. um, Sounds and, toxic. I mean, oh, it was so toxic, but it's just such a night and day difference when you're in a, in a position and in an environment where, you know, I know I could pick up the phone and call Lori and then tell Molly via, you know, text or whatever, like, Hey, I'm going through some stuff right now. I gotta, I just gotta take a day and just be totally supported. And like, you guys would check on me. Like I'm, it's so interesting to see the difference that it has, not just on your mental health, but on how productive and loyal and like willing you are to go the extra mile for a company when you feel that sort of security in, you know, having a team that actually values what you're going through outside of the office as well. Like, I think it just goes miles and miles for um, your I don't even know what the right word is, but loyalty and yeah, engagement. Like yeah. How, how much you're willing to buy into a culture when you feel that your mental health is valued. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think leaders that don't value their mental health, you know, the mental health of their team will not achieve the same positive outcomes. Oh yeah. You know, it will affect the corporate performance and I really do think it's changing. And that's one reason we talk about the emotional contact sport of business. I mean, it really is something that that everybody 
should be paying attention to because you bring your whole self to work Mm -hmm. and that is just how it is. There's no, there's no just bringing your professional self, your, your personal self is going to tag right along because that's how it works. Anything else you guys want to add? I don't think so. We covered a lot of ground. Yeah. I'm sure there's a million things that they don't teach you in college, but for me, this list is, uh, it really, it really says a lot about what I've learned thus far out of college. So exactly. Okay, guys, that's it for today's episode of work. Mom says, don't be an idiot. Thank you so much for joining us. Swing by our website at work. Mom says, and there's a really awesome little contact form there. You can also email me at Lori at workmomsays.com with your ideas. Are there people you'd like to have on the show? Are there people that we should be talking to? Would you like to appear on the show? And, you know, are there questions we can answer for you? So get a hold of us there. Thanks again for listening. I hope you're subscribing. And if you're a subscriber, do me a favor and drop in there and leave me some stars. Um, We'd love to have some more reviews to help amp up our listenership. And thanks again for being here. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to Work Mom Says. Don't be an idiot. For more information, you can email Work Mom at L-O-R-I WorkMomSays.com. That's Lori at WorkMomSays.com. And remember, (sighs) don't be an idiot. (laughs) 